welcoming in the spring with a lovely afternoon recording. Welcome to Hand of Pod. to the 158th episode of Hand of Pod. Almost lost count then. Next, month, next, next week is uh, 159. Um, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, because we're feeling a bit crazy today, uh, by English Dan. Hello Sam, well, happy spring to you as well. And, and to you English Dan. Um, we've got some stuff to get through this week. We've not just got a league round, but we've got some, some other stuff that, that people who aren't interested in the league might be interested in as well. Uh, so we'll do that, first of all. Um, two issues. I think the most interesting of which, for most of our listeners, is going to be uh, Gerardo Martino's first Argentina squad. We say first Argentina squad, or I say first Argentina squad. Quite right. Um, thank you. Because, of course, although he's already been in charge for one match, he didn't actually get to name his own squad. Well, we should say he could have named it, but he decided to go with the World Cup squad as a sort of uh, homage, let's say. After uh, the Afford Affer- Affer- already made it be known, before he was even contracted, that this would be the squad for it. Um, <laughs> very much Alejandro Sabella's World Cup squad, minus a few injuries, plus a couple of uh, Martino's players called up to replace those injuries. But we have seen now, not the whole squad, um, but we've seen most of the squad, the players who play their club football outside Argentina, have been named. Um, and it's just occurred to me that it might have been a good idea to get that list of players up before we started on this episode. Well, I can tell so you a couple of the now. new names off the top of my head. The main words are uh, the Estudiantes players, who Martino used to call up or out. Uh, Mariano Andujar, the goalkeeper, yeah. not just current Estudiantes, obviously, but ex-Estudiantes as well. Uh, who are the others? Uh, Jose Sosa is nowhere to be seen. Enzo Perez is out, isn't he? No, he's but, but, no, he's there. in. Good. And nice. in return, we've got a couple of ex-Nuels players. <laughs> Noel Guzman. Yes. Noel Guzman, the um, the uh, goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is... Uh, Ooh, go yes. on. No, that would be a local player, no? Oh, it might well be, you're yeah. right, yeah. The other would be uh, Romero. Maxi Rodriguez, of course, is, is always likely to be in any way, yeah. uh, regardless of who the manager is. Um, but the rest of the list has got some interesting... Names in it because it, it gives us a sense of, of what Martino's Argentina is going to look like compared with Sabella's Argentina. Um, Ezequiel Lavezzi is is not in. Uh, is he injured? He, I think he's he, injured. Yeah. He was definitely injured for the last squad, and I think he's been in okay. and around the team. Everyone, a lot of journalists here seem to make a big thing about the fact that Lavezzi's not in this list, but I was pretty sure that, that he was still injured. Um, ah, but he needs another <laughs> ex news player. Mm. In that. Santiago Vecini, of course, of, of Sunderland, you're quite right. Uh, Federico Fernandez remains, which is uh, if he after his, his World Cup, mm. but it does up the Premier League's quotient, which is all we're bothered about. Of I'm course. guessing that's because of Garay's injury more than anything. Uh, quite possibly. Garay's uh, Garay injured, of course, he is. Yeah, I was wondering why he wasn't. Indeed. And you've got um, another in, central defender who's a very interesting man. Absolutely, a former River Plate um, player, albeit he didn't really play much for River Plate before moving to. Was it Villarreal he moved to initially? He moved to someone else, didn't he? And then Very possibly, yes. I think. And at least he's playing for Villarreal. Uh, no. Mateo, Mateo Musacchio, 
um, is in as one of the future members of the defence. He's 23 years old, I think, and he's been touted as um, as a potential great since he was about 16 or something. I remember him coming up through the river um, youth ranks. Uh, Roberto Pereira as well, another ex-River um, player who now is one of Carlos Tevez's teammates at Juventus mm-hmm. is in. Um, another 23-year-old as well, bizarrely. Yeah. Um, but his teammate didn't make it. No, he didn't. Carlos Tevez is not in. Why is this done? Uh, what I read... You know, immediately after the squad announcement, because it was interesting that uh, just before Martino read this, read out his list or released a list anyway, he gave an interview, I believe, with ESPN, mm-hmm. and he said, "Look, um, the one who said it best is Tevez, who says, you know, I've got to um, keep working, and that's how I'm going to get in the team. Uh, on that account, he's doing everything right. Kind of hinting that there is a future for for Tevez and." Also, an interesting um, snippet of information, I believe uh, Juan Carlos Crespi, the Boca vice president, the IAFA vice president, came out and said before the list came out that uh, Tevez's name was amongst the list um, being put over to the Chinese embassy or whatever to get visas. And he was left out, which is surprising. Maybe, you know. Do you know what I think? What do you think? First of all, we know that Martino wasn't entirely happy um, with the, uh, the, the the contract situation when he signed his contract mm-hmm. with the AFA. Um, the negotiations dragged on a bit longer than expected after Julio Grandona died. Only a few days longer, but still longer. Um, Martino wanted, um, is it Fernando Chorente, the Newell's president, as part of the commission surrounding him as the AFA directors who were going mm-hmm. to take charge of the national team, sort right. of about who he was going to report to, let's say, for the national team, and he didn't get him. Um, he got uh, Boca Juniors Vice President Juan Carlos Crespi, a man that we've mentioned a few times recently on Handapod, the man who tried to get half of the uh, midweek round a few weeks ago cancelled because Boca He's definitely making his, his weight felt in the AFA. Um, well, we'll get onto that a bit. He's, let's say, yeah, taking advantage of the power vacuum that's developed um, in, in Grondona's absence. And true um, mafia style, you know. I'm surprised it hasn't ended in drive-by shootings and well, business to get in front. But give it time, it's only it been time. a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suspect that with Martino realising that there's no Grandona figure now who can do what Grandona did to Sergio Batista and force them to, to call up Carlos Tevez, uh, that Martino possibly just got a bit pissed off with Crespi telling everybody a couple of days before the announcement, yeah, Tevez is in the squad, don't worry. And sort of, it is Martino's way of saying, you know what, I picked the squad, not you. So You could be right saying, actually, I'm not going to name Tevez. I could go time. on and pick this kid, but it's going to be on my terms, no one's going to tell me that. That he's in or not. Precisely. Maybe. So it's not now, but not no for Tevez, let's say. No. And I think possibly, in terms <laughs> of the names that are in the squad, um, possibly the, the two most telling names, and certainly the ones that, um, that that seem most exciting kind of on the face of it, uh, are Eric Lamela, who was in the last mm-hmm. squad, of course. He was called up to uh, to replace um, Ezequiel Lametzi slash Lionel Messi, depending on which of their injuries you want to give the priority to. Um against Germany um, and, Javier, and Javier Pastore that's the very interesting he last played for Argentina in November 2011 in one of the very first World Cup qualifiers under Sabella uh, in the I think it was 1-1 wasn't it the draw with Bolivia yes. in Buenos Aires um, and who is going to bring just something else to the midfield he, he's talked about himself about how the fact that Martino seems to want to play 4-3-3 which is the same system he plays in PSG um, should, should favour him 
Um, but I think he, he'll, he'll bring some of those runs to the midfield that Argentina really missed after Angel Di Maria got injured during the World Cup. Yeah, it's definitely an, inter- an interesting alternative uh, for Argentina because I don't want to read too much into the Germany game, but there we saw one of kind of probably the first real change that Martino made, albeit uh, slightly um, a forced one, which was putting Angel Di Maria in a much more advanced position. You know, in on the left or on the right, sometimes of this front three, and well, obviously with three assists in a goal, it, it paid off brilliant. So the question is then, if Di Maria stays there, and, uh, someone's going to have to fill that gap in the midfield. You know, the creative runner who gets the whole team moving. It it could be Pastore. Um, I'd be inclined to go more for Lamela, dropping Lamela Lamela back in a fully fit Argentina team with Messi as well, but. Pastor is definitely an option there. And yeah, maybe that's what Martino's thinking. Keeping Di Maria in that advanced position and pushing even Pastori in or, or maybe even Pareda in that position. It's, he's got options, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, as we say, it's an interesting list. Uh, the full list, as we mentioned, has not been uh, put out yet. The uh, locally based players are going to be mentioned in, in the next few days. Of course, Matthias Kranevito was going to be one of them. Um, yeah, well, he's not going to be now for reasons that we well actually no we'll probably forget to mention him later if, if we do do that so he he broke his foot he's broken a metatarsal he's out for the rest of the year um, playing for River Plate at the weekend we'll get on to what happened in that match of course a bit later on but the full list of foreign based players is Lionel Messi Javier Mascherano no surprise there Matteo Musacchio he's new Gonzalo Higuain Sergio Romero Roberto Pereira the new boy Lucas Biglia, Javier Pastore, Sergio Aguero, Pablo Zabaleta, Martin De Michelis, the normal uh, Manchester City contingent, joined by their friends across the city at United, Angel Di Maria, Marcos Rojo, Eric Lamela of Tottenham, Santiago Bergini of Sunderland, which means that the Premier League, along with Federico Fernandes as well, so that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Premier League players. Um, again, after seven, I think we're included in the starting lineup against mm-hmm. Germany. Um, Enzo Perez, Nicolas Gaetan, um, another interesting inclusion actually. Although he was, of course, was in the um, Germany squad as well. He was the other player called up in uh, Messi and Lavezzi's injury absence. And Noel Guzman, um, the former Newell's Old Boys goalkeeper, who will presumably be second choice to um, to Sergio Romero. I'm just glad to see Andujar finally drop out of the squad because he was pretty much just a space filler, right? Well, I think the second and third choice goalkeepers. Are yeah, but at least put one in who's, uh, who's a real alternative to the first. And you seen Guzman as that? Yeah, I haven't seen him in Mexico to be fair, but I always liked him in Newell's. And I'm not yeah, saying he isn't, by the way. Yeah. I just uh, just thought I'd ask your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd agree. Yeah. Andujar, I don't dislike Andujar, but he's a bit older. Guzman, yeah. I, I believe, is slightly younger than him, and yeah. perhaps I do a bit think, more of a future. If not for injury. Um, there would be another um, keeper in there, uh, Geronimo Rulli. But you he suffered the same injury as Cranevita. He's, un- he's currently out with a broken metatarsal. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yep. After, I think in this first game, after signing for Real Sociedad. Oh, blimey. So he's out until October, more or less. I see. But I wouldn't have been surprised to see him in there if, mm. you know, if he had made a good start to his Liga um, career. As we've mentioned, there are lots of... Uh, Good young goalkeepers coming through the the Argentine league at the moment, and Rulli is is uh, one of the best recent ones. Um, so I, I think we can all uh, we've all been assuming for quite some time now that that he's going to play for Argentina at some point at least. And the third keeper, do we think it's still going to be Orion, or is he going to break that Estudiantes? Well, we'll see, won't we? 
I wouldn't be surprised to see Marchesin or possible options. He's, we, we know he's been seeing a lot of River, so so Barrovero certainly wouldn't be surprising Marchesin as well as you mentioned, um, or even who's Newell's goalkeeper now? Now that Guzman's has gone. <laughs> oh, good question. And I, oh, Oscar Ostari. Of course, yes, Ostari. Another I'm interesting guessing, I'm guessing my ex-independiente keepers mixed up. There's a lot of them, you know. Uh, Garrini, Eladio, Ostari. Most of them were there at the same time as well, about four years ago. They had a hell of a, they've always had decent goalkeepers. About four or five good goalkeepers at all at once. <laughs> Which is a bit of a waste, really. We should talk about Ustadi because he really pissed me off for the weekend. <laughs> well, indeed, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get on to that a bit later on. Uh, but the next thing to mention is some very, very exciting news, even more exciting than the national team. It's the news that Argentina just might, just, just might. possibly, nothing's definite yet, but it just might be getting a proper league uh, at some point in the next two years or so. Because <laughs> that's going to be how long it takes to sort the current mess out. Um, reports started coming out of the AFA yesterday, uh, we record on Wednesday afternoon, so yesterday is Tuesday, um, that uh, the the ridiculous idea of a 30-team top flight, which we've talked about on recent episodes, could well be going out of the window. Um, mm. That for, it might only last for the 20, everybody was saying just for 2015, but in fact for the 2015 to 16 season, because uh, right. the timetable is being kept. And then at the end of the 2015-16 season, um, of course, it'll also be the first half of next year uh, because that's too late to, to do any changes to now. Um, at the end of the 2015-16 to 16 season, there will be uh, a, a sufficient number of relegations to take the top flight down yes, to 20, ten. Ply, 20 sides. season's going to be awful. The thing awful is, everybody said, everyone said 10, but if you're going to have promotion from the second division, you'd actually need to drop 13 and bring three up, right? Yeah. That perhaps one, they'll or maybe not, twelve and two. Yeah, perhaps but, they just won't have promotion for a year. Or do you reckon the second division will stand for that? I mean, the reason that, well, they've had um, ten this year. I mean, what the, what yeah. they <laughs> Well, that's true. Yeah, we we shall see. But uh, there's just a chance that from 2016-17 we might have a twenty-team Primera and possibly, possibly, a season-long championship because it looks like the 2015-16 season itself with thirty teams is going to be some variation of a single championship uh, yeah. for, over the course of a season. Uh, these are exciting developments, no? They're exciting, but at the same time, extremely worrying for me. Because not so much because uh, they want to bring a normal, you know, in quotation marks, championship back, which we're obviously happy about. But it just shows what the hell is happening in in the AFA. You know, we we're used to saying all sorts of things about it when. Um, when Grandona was in charge, you know, it's corrupt, it's uh, dictatorship, it's this, it's that. But, you know, to, um, to make a quick comparison with Mussolini, at least he got the trains on time. You know, at least on the Grandona, the matches kicked off in time. The matches kicked off in time, the trains, well, they never really go off in time in Argentina, but that's, uh, that's another story altogether. Now you've got kind of the same rotten organisation, but uh, it's a dictatorship without a dictator. And no one knows, no one wants to put their face up and take their decisions. You've got the ridiculous case where the biggest clubs, you know, Boca, River, uh, basically living in the AFA, you know, putting pressure on to change um, the games, the days of games, well, the hours of games. That's just been Boca. Mm, Although River's, River were trying to get uh, the Independiente match re-timed, I think sensibly. Mm, but um, you can see, this is what I'm saying. 
it, but this yeah. kind of thing doesn't happen under Grandona because he kicks you out and takes all your pocket money. Mm. So absolutely, this is a problem. There's no real leadership. I think until at least until the elections and probably a lot longer, it's going to continue like that because no one wants to make unpopular decisions. It's also something that we called on Hand of Pod. When Crespi first started messing about, I said that I think we can expect to see much more of this, particularly from, from Boca, because they've got the vice president. Yeah. Um, and also from, from River, now that Grondona's gone, the big clubs are going to start wanting to reassert themselves after about a decade and a half or so mm. of the small clubs, entering Comisha in, in inverted commas, the small clubs, um, uh, starting to uh, eat into... Uh, the the power base of the big five and especially of, of those two giants. Um, yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people in Racing are talking about talking about this. Um, for them, the reason that uh, refereeing decisions are going going against Racing and that weird things are happening is all because they don't have weight in the AFA. Mm. This is the whole, which is the whole thing. Something that I heard, you know, from from River fans yeah. when uh, when River got relegated a few years ago and. And all the rest of it. It's, it's never. Uh, there's the attitude here that the game is played in the boardroom as well as on the pitch. Oh, completely. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and so this is why, listeners, you're going to be hearing a lot more of Juan Carlos Crespi's name uh, in coming episodes, Cert- no doubt, after Cert- the messing Cert- about that he's made with the national team. Essentially, he's taught Carlos Tevez out of his place in, in this squad. Um, and after all of this stuff with the, the Premier as well. But I think, I mean, we can't deny that not having a 30 team top flight is a good thing, right? It, it oh, might yeah. reveal some worrying circumstances at the AFA. Although yes. how worrying it is not having a, a guy who basically gets to dictate everything according to his own whims, I'm not sure. At least it's something approaching a democracy now. And the other <laughs> thing that it shows is that nobody wanted that idea in the first mm. place. The only reason it got passed was that Grondona was, was such a dictator. Yeah. The only reason it's even going to happen for the year and a half that it's going to happen for now is that Grondona died far too late for anybody <laughs> to repeal it immediately afterwards. If he died too yeah, much earlier... If he died two months earlier, just before the World Cup, let's say, I don't think that we'd that we'd even no. be having this thirty team. No, they would have pushed it back for a year and then another year and then quietly shelved it. Because um, none of the, I mean, certainly none of the big clubs want it. Mm. Uh, the question, of course, is going to be when when that ten ten up, ten down happens in, in twenty sixteen. Um, and the reason that I I mentioned the possibility that it might actually be slightly more than 10 up with mm. with two or three come uh, sorry t- 10 down with two or three coming up in in the stead um, is of course that uh, we're presumably going to have to um, uh, allow for the fact that one of the big sides might go down you don't want them to get stuck in the in the second that would you look particularly. at especially in the Benyendi and Racing are going to be the the two most vulnerable well this is the thing though are they because the Promedios might be going out as well this is the other really exciting development. Argentina might actually have a, a relegation system that relegates the teams who deserve to be relegated. I'd be very surprised by that. It'd be remarkable. I'd be very, very surprised if and the Premier guys were. And yet, it's one of the things that the that people are that the AFA are going to be voting on. Apparently. Mm. Um, we'll see we'll I think see. it would be brilliant the promedios for new listeners in case you're listening for the first time you to the national team talk or whatever um, are Argentina's current relegation system whereby uh, points over the last three seasons in the current division are tallied up divided by the number of matches played in that division over the last three seasons um, and the bottom three sides at the end of that are the teams that go down this means of course that if you've been in the top flight for one season you're only having your points divided by 38 matches at the end of that season Whereas if you've been in the top five for three seasons, you're having your points divided by 114 matches. Um, and, of course, two seasons is, is 76. 76? 
Thirty-eight. Yes, seventy-six. Very good maths. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to pretend it's maths really. I was just remembering. Um, and and uh, this this was a system, of course, brought in ostensibly brought in to help the big clubs, um, and which all the same has ended up. Actually, it didn't really relegate Independiente because Independiente would have gone down on a, on a proper relegation system as well. It relegated River in 2011 because River didn't finish in the bottom four yeah. in any of the three seasons for which they were relegated. I think it relegated Brasen, right? I can't remember. In 83. Yes, I, I, I remember reading that uh, Racing might have would have gone probably gone down the following season. What was it? The, I, I can't remember. But <laughs> yes, I, I think it relegated Racing when it was yeah. first brought in. Um I don't look in the league table, though, but somebody's told me before that, that Racing uh, would have gone down that season in any case. But that, yeah, Racing would have gone I can't down remember, that season. I, I can't remember who told me. No, so it definitely could well have been have an independent. They came second so. bottom in one year and then, I think, bottom last year. So ah, there we go. definitely would have gone down. Right. Um, no, the season it was brought in, I mean. Ah, the season it was brought in. So, someone told me that Racing fans always complain about, oh, this, the, the, the introducing the Promedios relegated <laughs> us, but that in fact they'd have been relegated that season under the old system as well. Mm. Yeah. However, I suspect that that person might have been an Independiente fan, so I don't know how much to trust them, and I've never actually... Don't trust them at all. So don't even give them the time of day. No, uh, absolutely. We've been recording for 20 minutes, and uh, Dan's got these lovely chocolatey things out in front of me, which I've not had a chance to, to oh, lovely. grab and eat yet, because... Um, because I've been talking for too long and drinking Matteo when Dan's been talking. So we're going to play a little bit of music now. We shall come back in a minute and we'll talk about an interesting weekend, if not exactly thrilling, but interesting, um, in the Argentine First Division, which was last weekend. So don't go anywhere. Primera action last weekend saw the eighth round of Torneo de Transición matches. We've got a couple more coming up on Thursday. I'm going to get this online before those kick off. Actually, it's not a couple, it's one and a third um, for reasons that we'll remind you about very shortly. Um, but first of all, the results from the weekend. On Friday, we had Quilmes um, versus Lanús, which finished 2 0 to Lanús. Saturday was an entirely predictable, given the dreadful. Clásicos that they've come out with um, in the last couple of weeks in the Copa Sudamericana. Uh, Estudiantes nil, Gimnasia nil. Having said it was entirely predictable, Mystic Sam did predict Estudiantes to edge that one. Uh, Olimpo won, Belgrano nil, and Vélez Sarsfield nil, Atlético de Rafaela nil. And then on Sunday, Rosario Central beat Arsenal 3-1. Banfield drew 1-1 with Boca Juniors. River Plate versus Independiente will come to in a second because it was first versus third. It was the big match of the weekend. Defensive Justicia 1, San Lorenzo 3. And Racing got a point. Yeah. You must be delighted, Dan. You weren't at the stadium either, were you? Unless I wasn't. You no, I had to, um, you were on Twitter through the game. Yeah, I had to watch it from work as I had uh, newspaper duties. And I was absolutely crazy during the game, pacing up and down, swearing, booing, cheering. I don't know. It was a... Conf- a conflict of emotions, if ever there was. But booing, booing, well, booing. Good, yeah. Let's say, yeah, booing, bow a lot. It's bow, by the way. No, bow. no I know, but yeah. it was too good. No, a, it's too good a pun to pass up, especially yeah. after the the round of puns that that did the uh, 
did the rounds on Twitter, um, making his name fit to <laughs> other people's, other players, uh, great players, surnames, and not so great players as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. After he equalised for Racing in the 27th minute, Ignacio Skoko had given Newells the lead in the 10th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, another former Sunderland connection. There we go. Indeed. Um, what did you think? Uh, Racing didn't look quite as comically awful as they have done recently. Although in the second half, there were still quite a few balls into the box for Diego Milito to head down. Even of course, even though he hasn't played for four games. Um, but, well, as, as we say, they got a point. Yeah, and to be fair, they deserve more. It was a far, far better performance than what we've seen in, in the last few weeks. Um, you can see still that the absence of Milito is, has been really harsh, especially before, at least... Um, for this game, uh, Gabi Alci came back, and you can see the difference as well because he makes the attacker a lot more fluid, um, just a he lot just more natural. As well. he's, yeah, he's not, I mean, you've mentioned in the past that he's maybe not the, the cleverest um, player, but his no, he plays with, when he gets with a bucket ball. on his head, as as the Argentine phrase goes. But yeah. he puts in a lot of work, and he smashed one against the bar as well, and hmm. should have had a penalty. Um, for a pretty blatant tackle from behind that, that wasn't given, but I'm not yes. going to carry on talking about referees because it's just a way Even to I'll get annoyed. But I think um, the biggest difference for Racing, yeah, the change that made the most impact was putting Gaston Diaz, um, the midfielder, back to right back and in his stead uh, bringing in Marcos Acuna um, to have him on one wing and Centurion on the other. That gave Racing, you know, a much greater control of, of the pitch. It meant they had two people on each flank who just push forward, can run with the ball at feet, pass well. and It definitely made them a more dynamic side. It made them a little bit more more fragile at the back, but you know, uh, you've got to balance these things out, I guess. You can't have everything. Adding some width to the attack. There was bad news for Newells because Echoco, after scoring that opening goal for them, uh, went off injured, as did Marcos Cáceres. Both of them were injured um, a few weeks ago and were doubtful even for this match. As did Auchi. Um Yes, and Gabriel Auchi also did. He was also uh, injured recently, and all three of them, in fact. Auchi, of course, is the racing player, not Newells. <laughs> but all three of those players uh, suffered recurrences of the injuries that they have recently had. Um, so they're all doubts for this coming weekend again for their respective clubs. Um, Banfield, I think we need to give just a round of applause to Banfield because against a Boca Juniors side who are much improved in recent weeks and we're not being sarcastic even though neither of us like Boca. Um, they've not looked brilliant, Boca, but they have showed a, a tremendous um, change in, in spirit and looked a lot more resilient since Rodolfo Arroba took over. Um, Banfield played very, very well, probably deserved to be ahead um, yeah, from around halfway through the first half, um, Bocchi improved after the break, but really Banfield deserved at least a draw, and they got it thanks to an 89th minute equaliser from Emiliano 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 Terzaghi. Um, yeah, Ter- Terzaghi after um, Andres Chavez had given Boca Juniors the lead. Um, with a really shoddy bit of defending <laughs> yes yeah with a terrible bit of defending but uh, Terzaghi's equaliser that just went straight to his feet basically mm. but Terzaghi's equaliser was uh, was decent and Banfield's mm. therefore have managed to arrest their slide of three three straight losses um, and get the point that by the way Mystic Sam predicted them getting um, they've been very up and down this year I know they started awfully 
and then came out with what two or three wins and then they lost three again they they lost I think the first two in a row then won their third and fourth games and since then they lost uh, they, they lost the next uh, three in a row before drawing this one I think ah, more down than nothing um, yeah they've just more, more than often than not they've just been quite bad but um, starting to get things and if they can get this only conceding one goal a game together with scoring at least one goal a game then they're going to pick up a few points they're going to pick up yeah by the laws of mathematics they're going to pick up points <laughs> indeed um, and then we get on to the main game of the weekend which was the big clash between first placed River Plate and third place but only on goal difference behind Newell's Independiente um, it was River's biggest test of the season so far you reckon it was also oh yeah really? well in terms of league, league standings and the opponents they've had but so far it the was, league's it was very generous for Independiente it's been very very generous Steady, because we're, what we were going to say yeah. what I was going to say next was that it's also Independiente's biggest test of the season so far Ugh. neither of them had played an opponent who were who went into this weekend ranked higher than sixth no. um, and you know there, were, there was obviously River were favourites they have a strong home record um, River were 1-0 up after three minutes 2-0 up by half time and ended up running out 4-1 winners and I think now now they've actually played one of the other sides who are racking up plenty of points regardless of not looking um, as we mentioned as impressive um, we really do need to say that River look like they're going to run away with this, don't they? Yeah, if they lose it from here, then it's an absolute disaster because they're head and shoulders above anyone else in the league. They have perhaps course. with the exception of Newell's, but there or thereabouts. Newell's the only other side who are unbeaten. Um, Newell's record after four, after eight matches, is uh, one four and drawn four. Uh, River have only played seven. They've drawn one the first weekend <laughs> and they've won the other six. They play Arsenal on Thursday. Um, River, what are the times for those games? Uh, Arsenal against River is at 7pm mm-hmm. um, the Boca game I can't remember we'll, we'll look at that in a second um, but River having played 7 matches now have more points after 7 matches than any of the previous 14 sides to have won the title the last really? title winning side who can equal River's current points record are San Lorenzo in 2007 yeah. um, and they, they're going for... They've got records that, that... There's this one Argentine stats account which was tweeting uh, on uh, Monday afternoon that the records that River are now going after are records from the La Máquina era. Um, Teo Gutiérrez is closing in on, I think it's Bernabé Ferreira's um, all-time River record of most goals scored... In consecutive matches. In consecutive matches, thank you. Yeah, he's got nine, which puts him in second mm-hmm. of the all-time standings. Matthias Kranewitter. Cocker's going to go with three attackers against Boca. My word. He's got nothing to lose. Half an hour and one goal down. If you're allowed to make as many substitutions as you want during... But we'll get on to that in a second. I think they've got all three subs still. Yeah. Matthias Kranewitter. Have you seen the record that he was after? No, I can't say I had. He's levelled already the uh, record for most because he didn't play in the draw against Team Nasi at the start of the season the record for most consecutive matches won in a River Plate shirt for all time really if he wins his next match for River which of course now won't be until the new year he will be the River player in the whole history who has won the most consecutive matches competitively and that's at the age of 21 Um, so some of these records that River are going for are just just mind-blowing. Uh, they've got 19 goals after seven matches. I'm going to look up very quickly now how many they scored in the whole of the Donnell final under Ramon Diaz. I think it's about 29, say. I think no. I've got a feeling it was 29 as well, which means they're already two-thirds of the way there. It was 28, in Oof, fact. Not bad. Uh, so they're only nine away, which at their current rate of goal scoring is a couple of matches. 
Uh. I think if anything, it shows that Diaz, you know, he won the title and he did well for that. But there was a lot more he could have got out of that team mm. if he was a bit more open to you know to try new things, not just keep him in behind the ball like this. You know, um, Martelo Gacharro has just grabbed the team. You know, arguably one um, a little bit weaker than what River had last year, and he's just made it brilliant. Like, you know, without Carbonero, without... Well, they suffered some losses, but they've yeah. got, they brought some players in as well who... Uh, That's the other thing, he brought up very well. Piccolici, no one thought that he was going to be river material, and I think he surprised everyone. Oh, I don't know about that. I saw him at, at Argentinos last season and was quite pleased when River signed him. Yeah, so but, fun, but uh, you know, Argentinos and River, they're two very different clubs. Yes. It's, it's the kind of signing that... A lot of times, say, you know, let's take as, exa- as an example, um, uh, Johnny Favre. Outside of River, he was fantastic in Cerro and a couple of Adores, and he just couldn't perform with the, the River shirt. And that happened, you know, especially in that kind of playmaker position, you got so much pressure on you. But I guess it's, it's down to character as well. You can see Piscolici has just not been faced at all by it. He's got the Monumental behind him, and no, he's, he's just been brilliant. He's got mm. a... A fairly fortunate goal, let's say, to open the scoring, but, you know, if you're in good form, that's the kind of breaks you get, I guess. Very similar to Angel Di Maria's goal a couple of, well, a week and a half ago against uh, QPR, a uh, mm-hmm. free kick, floated into the, well, drilled into the box and, and just inside that far post, so that if everybody else missed it, it went in. And but something else like Mr. against Racing, we could say. Well, I think, I think Riquelme was going for his <laughs> shot rather yeah. than uh, just the cross, but yes. Uh, we should mention that actually because I think that's since we last recorded or at least we didn't mention it last week uh, yeah. Juan Roman Riquelme scored a magnificent free kick Thursday last week was it? Thursday night yeah so it was after we recorded uh, to put Racing out of the Copa Argentina um, he was less effective yesterday on Tuesday evening for Argentinos away to uh, San Martín de San Juan they lost 2-0 Riquelme asked to be substituted immediately after the second goal had gone in <laughs> two, two nicely taken goals by San Martín but it leaves Argentinos uh, Treading more iffy, let's say that they'll be fine because half of the teams are coming up anyway. But uh, but there we go. Um, but yeah, River in short looking impressive. And yeah. by if the they time take three points against Arsenal, then there'll be yeah. six clear if, if they win that one um, after eight matches, which with uh, almost half the season left, still half the championship left. Sorry, just over half of the championship will be left. Um, and it will be a pretty commanding lead. The next, particularly given that this coming weekend, on Sunday, they visit second place Lanús. Now, Lanús have got their own unbeaten home record, of course. R- River have now won their last 14 matches at home in a row. Um, that includes the second leg of the Copa Sudamericana against Godoy Cruz in the league. You're with the stats today, sir. Well, yeah, it's, it's difficult not to be with, with this Riverside anyway, but Lanús have got their own long unbeaten home record. They're 13, I think 13, it might be 12 games unbeaten at home themselves. Um, something like nine, so it's 12, isn't it? Because I think it's something like nine wins and three draws. Um, so it's not going to be easy, but if River do get a win from that, then they'll be six clear of, well, Newell's if Newell's win, um, mm-hmm. but potentially be going nine clear of second place if, if, the, if, if Newell's and uh, Independiente also slip up at the weekend. Which is going to be a commanding lead to take into the Super Classical next the, the following week. I don't think too many Boca fans are going to be looking forward to that one. Especially because Boca have Jonathan um, Juan Forlin, sorry, not Jonathan Forlin, <laughs> um, 
Ams, the man who, who Juan Forlin replaced, whose name I'm currently scrambling around to find in my mind before I finish this sentence, whose Pitch name is Daniel, Daniel, yeah. Diaz. Yeah, Daniel Diaz. Got there in the end, just about. Um, basically, their first two choice centre-backs, possibly, um, both injured. A makeshift Boca Juniors defence against this current river attack could just turn out to be a case of Agustin Orion against this current river mm-hmm. attack um, and it, it could be quite something to watch but we shall be previewing the Super Classic on next week so please come back for that dear listeners um, I'm going to play some music now and when we come back we will answer some of the questions that you lovely people have been sending in we have had more than one this week so thank you very much don't go away asks first questions because he's got two of uh, this afternoon pardon me I've still got a biscuit in my mouth um, he says first of all how do you think Gachardo has got players like Mora Carlos Sanchez and Rojas performing again all of all of them are unrecognisable from the Ramon Diaz days um, got a point well Sanchez possibly been really hard on Sanchez um, yeah. who yeah as you say didn't really play and when he did he did alright yeah but uh, certainly Rodrigo Mora is the biggest change. Yeah. Rodrigo Mora during his first spell at River it was, really was something like 43 matches, seven goals. He started off well then, I remember. He started off all right. Yeah. But it was something like seven goals in 43 games. He's got six in 12 this time or something. It might even be fewer than that, six in 11 or something. Um, which speaks volumes for, <laughs> for, for what um, Gachardo has managed to get out. No, hang on, they've not even played. Oh yeah, Copa Argentina as yeah. well, that's why. Um, for how well Gachado's managed to manage them I think Gachado has, has provided them with just some more confidence he's, he's brought them in and what do you think it is he's younger of course he's, he's yeah. 37 Gachado whereas Diaz is what 60, over 61-ish yeah maybe around 60 I think so the biggest he's difference slightly closer to the player's own mentality he's a bit more aware of how modern players work or what perhaps yeah but I think on a more kind of basic level, it's just that when Mora goes forward, um, he's a player that likes um, to drift wide, he comes in from the wing, he, he moves about a lot. And I think the difference now is that he knows he's got players around him, you know, obviously uh, having Sanchez there to support him when he goes wide, and then you've got Teo Gutierrez absolutely on fire in the middle. He just knows that there's people around, around yeah. him to, to collaborate. To, Plus all of them are closer to the goal. And all of them close to the goal. Well, yeah. this is, this if you is put a striker close hear. to the goal, he's going to have chances, and chances are he'll score. It, it's, it's something that you hear from players all the time. It, it's something that we heard a lot from Argentina's players after the 4-2 friendly win against Germany earlier this month about how uh, Tata Martino was going to play further up the pitch. Yeah. And it's also something that uh, Marcelo Barrovero even oh, said absolutely. about River. Yeah. He said, it's much easier for me to be in goal when the opponents regularly just don't have shots for large mm-hmm. sections of the match. I just have to make sure I'm concentrating. And yeah. the reason that's happening is that the team are playing 10 metres further up the pitch. Um, yeah. I think more and, and, and the comment is also true you know, Di Maria after that Germany friendly said it was really easy for me to, ha- to make all those assists and to score the goal because I was playing much closer to the goal mm-hmm. so when you're a forward and you get the ball on the halfway line compared with when you're a forward and you get the ball halfway into the opponent's half already mm-hmm. 
um, you've got much less work to do to get there and, yeah, and to, to get that shot away. And River are having noticeably more attempts on goal from more areas. They're getting more men into the box when they when they arrived there than they did under Diaz. Um, yeah, they're not just scoring goals; they could have plenty more. Like um, mm. Diego, bueno, uh, Rodriguez made a couple of mistakes, but he also came out of uh, a couple of very good saves. Yeah. I think it was a header from Moda that he took that he took away brilliantly and. I think a goal in offside as well. They're just getting they're getting men into the box and they're making things happen. And if it's not happening on open play, they've also got set pieces and which are working very well as well. It's, it's just a complete team. Absolutely, they're still some way off Boca's all-time Argentine record of uh, home matches scored in a row, which is something stupid like 143 over a period period of about six years in the 1930s. Um, but you know. It's going to be 20-ish and going now, I think. Um, Ian's other question was, after seeing his latest goal, the one that we mentioned earlier for uh, against Racing, how did Nacho Ecoco not get a game for Sunderland ahead of Connor Wickham, Josie Altidore and Fletcher? I don't know Fletcher's first name. Steve Fletcher, is it? Might be. Yeah. Shouldn't have given myself away as a non-Sunderland fan by starting to add the first names in there. But anyway, how, how did that happen? He was injured when he arrived, which didn't yeah. help. I um, can't say I ever saw Skoko play a game for Sunderland, so I can't commenting on his form he played he played a couple but essentially right. from what I heard it wasn't as much to do with form it was more that he wasn't he wasn't fully fit when he arrived it took him some time to get up to a level of because of course the Brazilian league ended in late November early December right. and, and he was signed in mid-January so yeah. he hadn't played for a while um, it took him some time to get up to a level of fitness that Gustavo Pochette was, was happy with um, for the Premier League and Pochette then basically decided okay it's taking him too long he's going to come in for this season now for the 2014-15 season and he was going to be one of the main strikers but he didn't settle he, he right. didn't um, he, he didn't enjoy himself in, in England um, and of course he, he got the opportunity to, to rejoin Newell's and, and decided to take it so that's essentially it he was supposed to very much be ahead of Wickham Aldidore and Fletcher um, for this season uh, it, it, this is what I've heard uh, from a couple of Sunderland fans who follow me on Twitter yeah um, he's not the first Argentine to um to not feel at home in England then God knows he won't be the last I'm sure no no absolutely um, Ian finally says uh, really enjoy the pod over the past four years keep up the great work and get English Dan back on I don't know why he wants English Dan it's back a pleasure, on pleasure Ian here we no are uh, he did send those yesterday before I announced that English Dan was indeed coming back on so nice predicting there Ian yes. and we're glad that you enjoy it um, Phil Carney says how long is it until Leonardo Ushoa takes his place in the Argentina squad as the new Franco Di Santo I was just thinking. Why did you know kind words for him yesterday? On on Sunday uh, night, the day before. On Sunday night, after watching match of the day two, and indeed on <laughs> Sunday uh, morning, after watching Leicester City versus Manchester United, which I prefer to brush over, mm. um, I was thinking precisely that. I think that Ushua has got an excellent chance of being involved in the squad if um, Martino wants a mobile, strong, um, good and in the air forward. Yeah. I mean, yeah, good in the air and also just on fire form-wise because he started the season brilliantly. He could do much, uh, number nine, he could do a lot, lot, lot worse than Leonardo Ushaw. Yeah. Obviously, Mallory Carradi is the name everybody here is talking about. People watch the Italian league a bit more, uh, principally because a bit less of it is, is restricted to direct TV sports channels. Um, 
and also the cultural thing, the, the cultural links between Argentina and Italy. Um, Just more the fact that no one here has ever heard of Leicester in their life. <laughs> or of Leonardo Ochoa, it must be said. Yes. Because he, he left, he played lower division football here, went to, I think, uh, Chile and Mexico. He was in Arsenal for a while, but he didn't really do much. Yeah. Banged around a bit in, in the Spanish second division before getting to Brighton. Yeah. Um, now Maria, he, he played well, I heard. Mm. Yeah. So. Oh no, exactly. I mean, he he, he played well, but uh, he's he's absolutely on fire at the moment, and I think I think he's certainly Martino's aware of him. Mm-hmm. Um, no, definitely. He was he was as as Dan says, he was discussed very briefly and only in passing. He was discussed as one of the names who was on the verge of a call up this time round. So uh, Phil, you could do worse than put some money on if you're a betting man <laughs> on Ushua getting a call up for Argentina, say sometime this season. Um, although having said that I'm not sure how many matches they've got this season so maybe sometime in the next couple of years if he yeah. continues his form next year as well um, Leo Russomano asks you often mention the new tactics and strategies of younger managers without elaborating what are these exactly why are they better well, I mean in short because we have to move along a bit because uh, Dan needs to get going soon um, <laughs> modern football I mean we, we, yeah. what we the way that we talk about it is, is saying that the, the big clubs particularly, are often reluctant to take a chance on a younger manager and prefer to go back to a manager who was really successful for them in the 80s and 90s. Um, I mean, what we mean by that is, is that uh, those managers have often been out of football for yeah. several years and are getting older and aren't keeping up with the times. Whereas, I mean, the difference between, OK, Ramon Diaz's River just won the league title, but the difference between them and Marcelo Gachado's River is night and day. Even more so, Boca. I mean, not, Boca perhaps not so much at the moment with the, the way that they're playing, although they have improved, but just the attitude yeah. and how happy the players look in their own skins under Bianchi and under Aroa Barrena. Oh, completely. But I think, you know, not to deprive these old guys of credit too much because if you look at the, the managers, uh, the coaches who are making waves at the moment, they've learnt from the best. You've got uh, El Vasco, Aroa Barrena in, in Boca, Palermo, Barrasquiloto, who who learnt under, um, under Bianchi, so they're strong, solid teams, don't give much away, they, they counter very well. Uh, and then you've got Almeida, Gacharro, uh, obviously they were under Bielsa for, for Argentina, and then they also had Ramon Diaz, so the teams that you know always want to attack, they want to keep the ball, they want to press. Um, and I think these things um, uh, influence coaches, of course, so, you know, what kind of teams they played in and and what kind of football they're used to. Um, so it's a mixture of the two. This kind of like the fresh ideas from from being younger, plus the the lessons they learnt with having some of the best coaches in Argentine, Argentine history with them. Mm. It's yeah, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Let's say. And the other thing is that a lot of the younger guys are going to to Europe, to Mexico, to other places, and, and trying to expand their horizons a bit and look at other yeah. tactical approaches and, and, and yeah, new methods. Uh, which maybe get ignored slightly by the older generation of managers in Argentina. Yeah. Mike Ciroli asked a question that I hope we've already answered. He asked for the latest on the 30-team championship. Um, keeps reading that it'll just be for the one year now. As we say, it's going to be a year and a half, but yeah, I mean, more or less <laughs> what we said earlier. And finally, Toby Millard says, I'm really enjoying watching River this season. You and 40 million Argentines, Toby. Um, mm, what changes... Say after the book. <laughs> <laughs> what changes has Gachado made to have them playing with such panache? Mm, touching that, basically. Yeah. yeah. New system, pressing higher up the pitch um, and uh, with uh, some, some new life, let's say, br- uh, breathed into the squad. I think they did a good job of getting rid of the right players as well. Yeah. Um, English Dan, do you have to go now before I read out Mystic Sam or have you got time to stick around for Mystic Sam? Yeah, I might have to run now. 
Nothing stuff. Five minutes. In which case, uh, ladies and gents, the next music that you hear, listeners, will be Mystic Sam's theme music. I will come back afterwards and tell you what to bet on this weekend, not including the uh, last half hour of the Boca Juniors versus Racing match, which will be on Thursday at 6.15 Argentine time. Or Arsenal versus River Plate, postponed from the seventh round of matches, which will be on Thursday at, I think it's ten past nine. Uh, sorry, ten past seven, uh, ten past nineteen. Uh, um, so you were asking about that earlier, Dan, so before you leave, that's Thank the you answer. Thank you very much. Um, enjoy the matches, ladies and gents. Thank you very much, English Dan, for coming. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. And, uh, well, you'll hear from English Dan again at some point uh, in I'm the I'm sure future. you will, yes. And you will hear from me again in just a few seconds' time, so don't go away. This is a slightly strange experience. It's the first time I think in Handapod history that part of the podcast has been recorded in an otherwise empty room. I'm the only person here. Thankfully, it's only going to take a couple of minutes, so here we go. Mystic Sam this weekend is going to predict on Friday between Estudiantes and Vélez Sarsfield a draw in La Plata. Saturday's matches begin with... Well, actually, I don't know whether they begin or not. I don't know what order these are being played in. But the Saturday matches are Independiente versus Rosario Central. I think Independiente we're going to win in that one. San Lorenzo versus Gimnasia La Plata. Uh, I'm going for another home win there. San Lorenzo to win. Atletico de Rafaela against Olimpo de Bahia Blanca. Another home win. So three home wins on the Saturday. And then on Sunday, Boca Juniors versus Quilmes should be yet another home win. I'm going very heavy on the home matches this weekend. Tigre against Defensa Justicia. Only Gustavo Alfaro's third match in charge of Tigre. They play in the Copa Argentina sometime on uh, Wednesday evening after we after I finish recording this. But um, but I think I'm going to go for a draw in that match. Belgrano versus Racing. Belgrano should win that. Racing haven't looked too convincing, and Belgrano are very tricky to beat at home. And Lanús versus River Plate, the big one this weekend. Mystic Sam's going for a river away victory to put an end to that long unbeaten home run by Lanus. and now my browser has frozen so give me a second to go down to the last couple Newell's Old Boys versus Banfield on Monday I think the Newell's will get a home victory there and in the final round of the weekend final match of the round sorry Arsenal de Sarandí versus Godoy Cruz on Monday night is another home win. So I think Mystic Sam's just going for the one away victory there, uh, which is the River versus River away to Lanús. Um, thank you very much, ladies and gents, for listening this week. I won't ask the normal question about whether anybody um, agrees or disagrees with my predictions because there's nobody here to do so. No doubt English Dan would say that Racing are going to get a win in Cordoba if he was still here, but I can't see it. Thank you very much for listening. Um, as ever, ladies and gents, we'll be back next weekend, next week with a preview of the Super Clásico. Uh, River Plate played Boca Juniors on Sunday the 5th of October at about 6 or 6.15 or something in the afternoon, evening, Buenos Aires time. Um, so please join us again next week for that. If you're going to be watching the Argentine football over the weekend on the YouTube channel or any other way, then enjoy that as well. And for now, it's goodbye. (laughs) 